A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call him while he is near. Let the scoundrel forsake his way and the wicked his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord for mercy, to our God, who is generous in forgiving. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are my ways above your ways, and my thoughts above your thoughts. The word of the Lord. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians. Brothers and sisters, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, life is Christ and death is gain. If I go on living in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which I shall choose. I am caught between the two. I long to depart this life to be with Christ for that is far better, yet that I remain in the flesh is more necessary for your benefit. 
only. Conduct yourselves in a way worthy of the gospel of Christ. The word of the Lord. Dominus Fobiscum. Lexio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Mateum. Jesus told his disciples this parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out at dawn to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with them for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. Going out about nine o'clock, the landowner saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you too go into my vineyard and I will give you what is just. So they went off, and he went out again around noon, and around three o'clock, and did likewise. Going out about five o'clock, the landowner found others standing around and said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They answered, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you too, go into my vineyard. When it was evening, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, summon the laborers and give them their pay beginning with the last and ending with the first. When those who had started about five o'clock came, each received the usual daily wage. So when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also got the usual wage. And on receiving it, they grumbled against the landowner saying, these last ones worked only one hour, but you have made them equal to us who bore the day's burden and the heat. He said to one of them in reply, my friend, I am not cheating you. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what is yours and go. What if I wish to give this last one the same as you? Or am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? Thus the last will be first and the first will be last. 
Verbum Domini. Today in the parable, the landowner is God, and the vineyard is the world. That's the meaning for us Christians, that we are all sent into the world to labor uh, according to God's plan, to conduct ourselves in a way worthy of the gospel of Christ, as Paul says in the second reading today. We see also, though, in this laboring and the repayment, this great generosity of God, that it is greater than justice, than distributive justice. He goes beyond in mercy and grace. He's always giving us the more. We also see that all the people of God, the church, especially here is addressed, are called. Why do you stand here idle all day? You too go into my vineyard. And he comes by at dawn, at 9, at 12, at 3, and 5. He keeps making these passes in the marketplace, always calling us, always calling everyone to go into the vineyard. And yes, he uses our cooperation, but he is clear, clearly sovereign. The wage is eternal life, we could say, and he gives it in full, beyond what justice requires. He gives the ones that came at five the same as, as the ones he gave, what he gave to the ones that came at dawn. St. Thomas Aquinas taught that the virtuous have a more subjective enjoyment of heaven, that their hearts have been stretched, their life of charity, they are you know, filled with God's grace and they can enjoy heaven in an even deeper sense. And even beyond that, we see that people are called to different heights of holiness. We look at our Blessed Mother's Queen of Heaven and Earth, this exalted role, the Mother of God. She's above all the angels and the saints. And St. Therese, in pondering this, would consider nature and look at the flowers and say all the different flowers are needed for God's beauty. We're not all called to be a rose, but even lowly violets and smaller flowers have this beauty of God uh, within them that's manifest, that radiates into the world. Our job is to, to seek his will in our life and to glorify him. We see that God has chosen to associate man with the work of his grace. That with grace, you know, God's action is always first. His initiative is always in giving us grace. And grace is the seed of glory. It's the beginning of this eternal life. But our cooperation follows with that grace. That even our cooperation is a result of grace. And the Catholic Church teaches there's, we can even merit. Not in the strict sense, not just from our human nature, we can merit something before, before God. That's 
that's not what the church teaches, that even the merit that we do is by God's grace. This grace is help given to us. It's participation in divine life. And this first grace of justification, like in baptism, that we receive as a child or as an adult, in no way can that be merited. But after receiving that grace, you know, moved by the Holy Spirit and charity through the sacraments that it's given to us in baptism, confirmation, the Eucharist especially, you know, we have that life of God, that Holy Spirit working in us. There is a concept of merit, this recompense that, you know, God gives us due to our good and holy actions. And the Catechism talks about even temporal goods, right, can be merited health and friendship. If we pray, if we ask, if we draw close to the Lord, there's a power, efficacy to our prayers. We can merit graces for our sanctification, for an increase of grace and charity, for the attainment of eternal life. But that merit, the Catechism teaches, if we look at the saints, they always had a lively awareness that their merits were pure grace. As I think I mentioned recently, you know, we need even that grace to want to do good. Even as grace wants us to be holy. You know, it has that effect in us. So God gives us grace. He gives us the Holy Spirit to send us into that vineyard. And the whole people of God, that's an expression we see in the Old Testament and taken up and emphasized by Vatican II, that the church is the people of God, the whole people of God, priest, religious, lady, are sent into the vineyard of the world, joined to Christ like branches to a vine, that we are anointed in baptism and confirmation, that that communion is perfected in the Eucharist, and that joining to Christ also, and especially, includes his passion, his, his, crucif his crucified and glorious body that we are joined to, so we're living that Paschal mystery, and even by the witness of our lives, we're presenting it to others, presenting Christ to others. But it's a real union in Christ and his redemptive work that we're sharing in. So through that anointing and baptism and confirmation, we are anointed in the Eucharist, perfected there, we're anointed to Jesus' role as a priest, prophet, and king. That at Mass, the lay, laity offer the divine victim with the priest to the Heavenly Father and are called to bring spiritual sacrifices of your life, all your difficulties, struggles, good things, joys, hard things. We offer them to the Lord in sacrifice. We speak of Jesus as having this prophetic role. He's the fulfillment of all the prophets. The lady are called to proclaim the gospel in word and deed. And the reason I'm emphasizing lady here is this parable, John Paul II in his great document on the laity in the 80s, said this parable especially applies to the vocation of the lay faithful. 
So you too are called to proclaim the gospel in word and deed. Most often in deeds, the witness of your life, but also in words, an explicit, explicit proclamation of the gospel. And John Paul would say that that also incorporates, also means courageously identifying and denouncing evil in the culture today. How can we not speak about things, you know, to identify and denounce things that are going on today? And also we have a, a kingly role to overcome the kingdom of sin in ourselves and then to serve others in justice and charity. As I mentioned, making Christ present to them. But that kingship, that authority is exercised for the Christian in service. But the point is made in Vatican II, in the writings of John Paul, in this document of the lady, that the lady's vocation has a secular character to it. That you all are on the front lines in the world. You live out your married life, your family life in the world. Your work life takes place in the world. And you're there to, to order it to the kingdom, to bring gospel values into the culture, into the workplace, into the society, and certainly into our families, to be leaven in the dough, to be salt and light in the world, to impregnate the world with gospel values, to order to the kingdom, to the salvation of others. Jesus is coming again to that final bestow, renewal of the world. We're preparing for that gift, that gift of the kingdom and its fullness, where he offers this world up to his heavenly Father. So your work here down below matters. I like the image of, you're not making a sandcastle down here that just gets washed out by the tide. There's something lasting about all works of charity. You will find them again in the kingdom of heaven. There's something thrilling about that. It matters. It matters if you say yes today. It matters if you give your fiat, if you serve those around you, if you live a life of prayer and holiness. So the lay vocation is to seek the kingdom in temporal affairs, ordering them to the plan of God. That's all it is. Don't worry about totalitarian governments, persecutions, <laughs> threats to your life. That's our, that's our task, despite opposition, despite difficulty. The lady are called to restore creation to its original value by the grace and power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, to continue his redemptive work, fostering, helping, and the salvation of others and the renewal of the temporal order. How can we not see the fallenness and the work of the evil one in the world today? We're sent into that world. The whole church, lady with a special secular character there, the front lines, to renew everything in Christ. In your family life, in your 
professional life and society and culture, their political lives, to point it all, to direct it all to the fullness of meaning in Christ. Everything comes alive in Christ. We can direct it there. We can bring it there, bring his teaching and gospels into all our works, good works, into our families. Things thrive when we do that. It has a life. Even it's very simple and humble. There's the presence of Christ there that gives it meaning and fullness. Jesus ends the parable today, you know, by saying that the last will be first and the first will be last. The logic of the world is different than the gospel. You know, we, we don't want to be blinded and think in a worldly sense that greatness is measured by worldly standards. It's measured by the standards of Christ. Are we living a gospel life? That's where the fruitfulness comes from. Are we bearing our cross? That's where the fruitfulness and the resurrection comes from. That power is sown into the world through that fidelity to Christ. May we all as the people of God be faithful to this vocation.